Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, we're on vacation this week, but don't worry. Steve and I have got great new shows for you each day. Today, we resume our interview with Ray's radio play-by-play man, Dave Wills. We met him at Dave's dugout. Of course, you'll want to hear about his start as a basketball and baseball player at Oak Lawn High School in near Chicago, Illinois, and then on to Elmhurst, the University of Chicago, finally beginning as a minor league broadcaster for Kane County Cougars, and then on to the White Sox and the Rays. One of the most entertaining guys in Tampa Bay sports, and we met him at his bar, Dave's dugout at his home in Lutz. We've got Dave Wills on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, is scalloping on your bucket list? Well, if so, you can do that with Captain Mike swimming with the manatees in Crystal River. The scallop season starts July 1st. It runs through September 24th in Citrus County, and it is the ultimate bonding experience for your family. Book your scallop tours now, and if you wish to adventure on your own or have a party larger than six, you'll find a great selection of eight passenger pontoon boats available for rent during scallop season. Now, with your rental, you'll get a GPS, a dive flag, anchor, and all the acquired safety equipment and a detailed map for your convenience. Now, rental does not include a saltwater fishing license, but book online now and get ready for some scalloping fun. Book online at swimmingwiththemanatees.com, or you can call 352-571-1888. All right, we're with Dave Wills, the Rays play-by-play man on radio, of course, since 2005 with Andy Freed. And we are at Dave's Dugout, which I'm honored to be here, first and foremost. This is my, my maiden trip. We, we made it on the marquee, Sports Day Tampa Bay, myself and Steve Versnick. So thank you, first of all. This is amazing. Well, welcome. Welcome to the dugout. And uh you know, I've always wanted to own my own bar, but this is a heck of a lot easier. Rent's a little cheaper, and uh, it's it's been fun. It really, you know, it's you know, obviously, I guess the bar business is kind of in my background. I was a bartender for a number of years before I became a broadcaster, and uh, always been comfortable either on that side of the bar where you're sitting as a customer, or behind the bar as a former bartender. And uh, just glad you guys are here, and glad to uh, be able to talk some uh, Rays baseball and. Yeah, this whatever. Is, this is great. Well, I'm very comfortable on this side. I've never been on that side, but just to give people an idea, uh, a little theater of the mind. This is a, uh, I mean, this is an actual uh, bar. You've done an unbelievable job here uh, with this, and uh, you've got obviously some some raised memorabilia and and some uh, some big moments uh, that you've been a part of in raised history. We've got Kevin Cosner over there from Field of Dreams. I mean, this is. Well decorated, and, and what I like is that it is five o'clock somewhere. Dave's <laughs> dugout, so that that sort of says it all. Well, you know, it does represent a little bit of almost everything from my life. I mean, you, you look at there's a picture there that has all the teams I broadcasted for at, time, at one time or another. The Rays, obviously, are the headliner, but the Kane County Cougars, the White Sox, yeah. Notre Dame, and UIC. Uh, the movie Miracle was uh, one of my favorite sports moments of all time, and it has become one of my favorite movies. It's one of those things where no matter what time of year, what time of day, if it's on, I'm going to stop and watch it. Uh, same thing with Field of Dreams, and then uh, all the pictures. Uh, you know, sorry, Lightning fans, but uh, <laughs> I, I, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into the Blackhawks. I was a season ticket holder for about a decade, 
uh, back out of college and uh, my first few years out was actually the place of my wife and I's first date. And so there's the picture wow. of Patrick Kane scoring the first goal against, or the last goal against the Flyers in the 2010 Stanley Cup. I've got the uh, Miracle on Ice, and I don't know if we'll be able to pick it up, but it's got one of the iconic calls of all time with Al Michaels. Um, and then a couple other moments. Obviously, uh, that's a picture of Kane County. I helped start that uh, minor league facility back there in 1991. And then the picture that was uh, all over the, at the time, I think it was the St. Petersburg Times. Yeah. Uh, Cliff Floyd's walk-off homer against the Chicago White Sox. It's one of my all-time favorite calls. It was against my former team. And it just looks like a group of guys are waiting for Dad to come home from work, and they're all pumped up because they know Dad's bringing the burgers, and we're going to have a good night. So, uh, you know, and then the pictures of old Comiskey Park. Yeah. Um, you've got uh, Mark Vinson, our trainer, did some beautiful woodwork representing the 20th year last year for the Rays. Joe Madden's art, uh, that Mona Lisa and Salvador Dali, which is kind of a tie-in with uh, St. Petersburg. And then the first article that the uh, St. Petersburg Times ever wrote about Andy and I, and then a couple other little knickknacks on the uh, table out there so it's a it's a very comforting area to be able to come here and oh, after a game and relax and watch a little baseball watch hockey and basketball during the off season some football whatever the case may be it, it houses one heck of a super bowl party let me tell you <laughs> i gotta believe that's true and uh as we uh, there are no days off during this current stretch when we're talking to you so we appreciate this is a after an afternoon game that the rays have played so this is sort of your evening off which uh, i know you value so thanks thanks for welcoming us uh, people know, I, I would assume by now, or if they don't, um, you're you're from Chicago, the area of South Chicago. In fact, Oak Lawn, where we share sort of yeah. a, sort of a weird coincidence. My wife is from Oak Lawn, um, and uh, sh- her parents live on 91st Street, which is not far from where no. your folks have been. No, I, actually, I grew up at 90, just a little south of 95th and Cicero, which is the main yeah. intersection in Oak Lawn, and uh, it had a White Castles on the corner, and... Uh, it was a great place to grow up. Uh, actually, probably got my broadcasting career started right there in the front lawn, calling wiffle ball games, hockey games, whatever the case may be, football, basketball. And then uh, when my wife and I got married, we did. We lived on 91st and Mead, which is probably within just a couple of blocks. I could almost throw a baseball there back in the day. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the closest cross street is Mead. From, yeah, from so we were right there by uh, <laughs> elementary uh, school, by the school, right across the street, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, had, had a lot of great memories there. That's where we had our, uh, you know, we raised our son Alex. Our daughter Michelle was born on that, mm-hmm. or, you know, in that neighborhood. So I uh, went to school there first. So it's our first house. You always remember the first house and the first of everything. And a lot of great memories from Oakland. I, I, I truly am still an Oaklander. I go back there as much as I can. My, unfortunately, both my parents have passed along, but uh, so we don't have anybody who lives in Oakland anymore. Mm-hmm. But still try to get back to the pubs I used to work at, the restaurants I used to work at, and the high school buddies that I used to hang out with and uh, love yeah. going back to Oakland. It's a great place to grow up. And, of course, being on the south side, I'm assuming you were a White Sox fan. That was your team, right? I was. But, you know, it's funny because my first game ever was a Cub game. Really? And uh, uh, my dad worked at IBM downtown, and my mom took myself and my brother Bill, who's about 18 months younger <laughs> than me, uh, to our first game. And, and we, they, she took us, got us downtown, and then my dad and I and my brother Bill went to Wrigley Field and – you know, I know I'm a, a little big, bulky guy right now, but I was a skinny little runt as a kid growing up. And it was a day almost probably like it is right now here in, uh, you know, in, in Tampa where it's about 90 degrees with 80% humidity and you're sitting out in the sun. And all I remember is bacon. Yeah. My dad taking his handkerchief out of his pocket and, and, and wiping both of us down trying to keep us cool. And you know, I, it was a nice time. It was always great to go see baseball. But then a few weeks later, 
went with my uncles to uh, Old Comiskey Park, and it was a night game. And, and you know, to be able to see people play baseball at night under these incredible lights, mm-hmm. and, 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 and it was a lot cooler. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, now this is the way to go to a ball game. And, uh, you know, so I, I don't know if my allegiance switched right there, but like I said, my first Cub game, my first baseball game was a Cub game. My first mitt was a Billy Williams mitt because I was left-handed. And you try to pick lefties on the Chicago White Sox, and but the only guy they really made a mitt of maybe was Wilbur Wood. And I'm like, I, I don't want to be a big, fat knuckleball pitcher. So, you know, it was one of those things. Where, and I loved Wilbur Wood. I, I got to make sure everybody knows that. But, you know, so it's weird. And, you know, and then uh, the, 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 the way I got my Cougar job was me doing play-by-play in the rafters before they built the suites at, old, at Wrigley Field. So the Cubs are embedded in my background as far yeah. as baseball is yeah. concerned. But uh, – there's a lot of history there, and that's there's another reason why I'm a big White Sox. I was a White Sox fan. Now, obviously, um, a huge, huge Rays fan. But that's kind of the background as to how I became a big White Sox fan. And then I got lucky enough to work for him for about 10, 11 years, which was also a dream come true. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. You took kind of a route that uh, a lot of – probably a lot – you know, it's it's rare how you did it. But first and foremost, I mean, you, you love baseball. You were a player. You played at Elmhurst um, and and even uh, going forward was, was a recruiting – coordinator and a mm-hmm. pitching coach. So you, you spent a lot of time on that track. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, obviously about half a body ago, um, I was more of a basketball guy growing up. It was, you know, I was 12 years old. Mm. My younger brother Bill was 10 at the time, you know, 18 months younger, and we were both playing on the same Little League team. And he was actually a little better than me. No big brother wants to admit that his brother might sure. be as good or better than you. And it, it kind of bothered me a little bit. And baseball was always kind of a little tougher sport for me. And so when I got done playing Little League, I kind of I quit baseball for a little bit and concentrated on basketball and played, you know, all four years in high school. And it was OK. Nothing great. I had a nice shot, you know, but play no D, give the ball to me kind of thing. And, uh, you know, but it was my sophomore year in high school where the well, it was my freshman year in high school. The track coach said to me, why don't you go out for track? And I couldn't stand running. Yeah. And so I'm like, I think next year I'm going out for baseball. So then the next year I'm in sophomore gym and. He turned out to be the sophomore baseball coach, so I was left-handed and said, "Why don't you come on out? Have you ever pitched?" And I and I pitched a couple of years, played a couple of years of high school ball, mm-hmm. and then didn't play my senior year after an aggravating senior year of basketball. Got to Elmhurst College, and it was kind of the same thing. I was just going to be a student, you know, and that was going to be hard enough. And then they found out that uh, I had played basketball and baseball in high school, and the basketball team only had like twelve or thirteen guys. They needed a couple more roster fillers and. Um, it's kind of funny. Uh, I ended up playing basketball. Dan Pompey, the legendary sure, sports good writer, writer. Yeah. Uh, for you know in Chicago now, I think for the Athletic, mm-hmm. uh, was our athletic was our SID at the time. Okay, and I think he could have kept that caption on my bio for the next twenty years. Dave Wills, probably a year away, <laughs> <laughs> but you know should be able to help with depth. Blah 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 blah. So played basketball for a year at Elmhurst College, and then again the same kind of thing happened. Uh, baseball coach saw I was lefty. We had, had graduated a lot of pitchers. I yeah. started playing and, and, and had fun and played pretty well. And uh, I claim the fame I always joke is that Joe Girardi's 0 for 1 against me. We played against uh, Northwestern a lot. Nice. And uh, I, I, Joe hit probably a 102 mile an hour exit velocity line drive to our shortstop, but he's still 0 for 1 against me. And then, <laughs> um, you know, the rest is history. It kind of it tied in. Uh, there's a story on how I got the Cougar job because of playing there sure. and so on. And, uh, I left Elmhurst College. I started working for Sports Phone, the yeah. old nine seven six one three one three number. That's right. Did that uh, as a full time job from my halfway through my junior year till I graduated, and after I graduated, and just kind of got bored with it. Worked in the Arena Football League, 
for a, a year, year and a half. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, Jimbo Fisher was our backup quarterback. That's crazy. Um, which is also, I saw him at Disney World a couple of years ago, and we reminisced. It was really kind of cool. And uh, and the next thing you know, they kind of fold operations for a little bit, and I'm left without a job. So uh, I called up my old head coach at Elmhurst College. I said, hey, if you need somebody to help out, he said. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I do come on out and I started coaching with him. And... Uh, Became the recruiting coordinator, worked with another guy, Bob Fabrizio. And uh, while I was with, with him, I got the job as the head coach at the University of Chicago at 25 years old. And wow. I'm, you know, just as a couple years older than some of the guys I'm coaching. And really, honestly, was having a blast doing it and uh, was considering staying in it. Called my old pitching coach from Elmhurst College, who was a manager in Wausau, Wisconsin, for an Orioles organization, a ball team. And I said, Mike, would you be a reference on my resume? And he said, no. <laughs> really? And I said, well, whoa, 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 what? You know, why? I said, I did everything you wanted me to do. I said, I even tried throwing a stupid cut fastball at 79 miles an hour. But, and uh, he said, no, I want you to get out of broad, uh, get out of co- coaching. I want you to get back into broadcasting. Okay. And I might know a job for you. And uh, it turns out um, he knew that the Wausau, Wisconsin team was moving to Kane County, which was suburban Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, get me a tape of you doing a game. I don't care if you're sitting in front of a TV, doing whatever, calling a Little League game. Get me a tape and send it to me, and I'm going to get it to the right person. So I sent him that Cub game, the Cub-Cardinal game, where I think the Cardinals might have won or Cubs won one nothing. I, I don't even remember exactly what who won the one nothing game, but there wasn't a whole lot going on, but I sent mm-hmm. that tape in. And uh, next thing you know, I get a call from the owner of the Cougars who said, hey, we'd love to have you. And I did three interviews with the general manager and was four hours late for one of them because I was out too long the night before. And finally just said, yeah, you're hired. I was like the third or fourth guy hired for the Cougars. And uh, we built that franchise from the uh, from the bottom up. And, uh, you know, I got very fortunate because working in Kane County, um, worked for a radio station by the time uh, I left there that would reach almost 3 million people. Yeah. And there isn't a minor league team in America that, that has that, that kind of reach. I mean, there aren't even big league teams that have that kind of reach. And the White Sox heard me and was with the White Sox, and then everything kind of fell in place. How much um – you know, does the background of, of, of being a player and, and, and to, even as a manager or, or pitching coach, how much has that helped you in, in sort of understanding what, what these athletes are trying to do? I think it, it helped me. It's helped me a lot, especially going you know back to when I first started 25 years ago, because yeah. obviously I was a little younger and only so many years removed from actually coaching and playing. Yeah. Uh, it, it's been a little more difficult here over the last maybe six or seven years because of the analytics being involved and Obviously, never had to worry about that when I was at Elmhurst College or University of Chicago or even at Kane County for a while. Sure. But, uh, um, so that, that you've had to kind of relearn the game a little bit. And, you know, you spend a lot more time talking to people about why they're doing things. And, 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 and I'm kind of betwixt about that whole situation. I still think that baseball is an eyeball test. I think you can still watch the game and pick up a lot of things as opposed to just looking at a – uh, a printout and say, all right, this is the way the game's going to go. There's still heartbeats involved. There's still humans involved. Sure. And not everything's going to happen the way it looks on the 
clean and dry on the white piece of paper by the time it comes out of uh, Chico's printer. So, uh, you know, it, it's something that you have to kind of, you know, play along with. And, you know, believe me, I, 15, 20 years ago, I could probably, you know, predict what they were going to do pitching wise and how they were going to do it. It's a little tougher now. It really is. And, uh, you know, try and figure out because everything's about spin rate and about, you know, putting the ball elevated fastball and, and, uh, you know, dealing with some of the metrics that these guys are reading about and, and being taught and told about. So, I would say that uh, it's definitely become a little bit harder to kind of get into the minds of a pitching coach and even a pitcher. Sure. Now, here I am, you know, 35, 40 years removed from, 35 years removed from pitching. Mm -hmm. So it's a little tougher than it was when I first started out, there's no doubt. You uh, finally got to work uh, for the franchise that you grew up watching, the Chicago White Sox as a pre- and post-game host. Uh, did you feel like, you know, I might be here the rest of my life? I, this, this, is, this is the organization. I mean, obviously you aspired to more than that, but... You know, there you were with the White Sox in your hometown. You know, it was I was at Kane County, and um, it's funny we're playing the A's right now. We just got done playing the A's, and uh, I had gone out to lunch the year before with John Rooney, the longtime radio voice of the White Sox, and he had done a lot of national games, and we had a great lunch with him, just going over the business and talking things over, and um, and the next thing you know, uh, the next year it was just kind of the same thing, middle of winter, just kind of bored. Call him up to go out to lunch, and he says, I know where you're calling. I said, yeah, just to go out to lunch maybe in the next week or 10 days. He said, you heard that Ken Korak, who was filling in for him on the weekends, just got the job with uh, Oakland, and we're going to be hiring a new guy, and you're at the top of the list. I'm what? And so I said, I hadn't heard about that, but thanks for the heads up, and <laughs> made a few phone calls and called somebody at the uh, flagship station, and they said uh, – you know, we know who you are. We'd like to meet with you to make sure you don't have any horns coming out of your head or, you know, anything goofy like that. And uh, met with them. And it was about a week or so later. I remember coming back from lunch and I got a uh, voicemail and they said, we'd like to start uh, going forward and getting this going. And I just remember leaving my office, which at the time was the press box, was in my booth at Kane County. Yeah. Coming outside, jumping probably as high as Michael Jordan. I mean, I just was so pumped to be able to work for the Chicago White Sox, and then uh, I remember walking into my GM's office and saying, you don't have to deal with me anymore. I'm out of here. And uh, But it was also kind of funny because, you know, I tell the family I got the job, and everybody's all excited. About a week and a half, two weeks later, we had our winter banquet for the Cougars, and it was just – I couldn't have been any more happy with the fact that I'm finally moving on to the big leagues kind of sort as a yeah. pregame host, 25 to 30 games of play-by-play, -play, my hometown, the team I rooted for. And as soon as I get up there and I'm at the podium, I'm telling everybody I'm leaving for the Chicago White Sox, half the room booed because half the room's White Sox fans, half the room's Cubs fans. So sure. um, it was just kind of like, oh, I guess I better get used to I better get used to this. And uh, But, yeah, it was, uh, it, you know, I, I never made it on the, the Comiskey Park field as a player or even the new one. But to, to be able to get in that broadcast booth uh, was obviously uh, just an incredible dream because a big part of why I wanted to do what I do was – Watching the way Harry Carey did what he did. That's why I figured. Before the days he was a cub announcer, but when he did it before the Chicago White Sox back in the early 70s. So that, that had to be, uh, growing up there, an enormous influence uh, on, on sort of, you know, listening to how the game is called. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and were there other broadcasters uh, during that time that, uh, that. So spoiled. I know anybody who grows up anywhere probably says the same thing, but, uh, you know, from any, base, any season, we were spoiled in the city of Chicago. Yeah. We had. Uh, you know, we had Harry doing the games for the White Sox. You had Jack Brickhouse doing the Cub games. Mm -hmm. uh, even the guys that backed them up were really, really good. Uh, you know, and then you, you get to the uh, the basketball season, and Jim Durham was just absolutely outstanding for the Chicago Bulls. And 
I mean, I remember sitting and playing Nerf basketball and just, you know, even during practice going, rimming, no, or, you know, puts in the silencer or, you know, from downtown, anything, you know, just all kinds of Jim Durham calls. And, sure. You know, he was great. And then you get to hockey, and I grew up with Lloyd Pettit as a little, little kid who was one of the best. And he's a Hall of Fame hockey announcer. And yeah. uh, that's like my first memory of wondering how a broadcaster did it. I really, you know, I'm probably, you know, six, seven years old, and I'm listening and watching Lloyd Pettit, and I'm thinking, how does he know who the guys are? I mean, is it like in the pregame, they just come up and say, you know, number two, Bill White, number three, Keith Magnuson. Number four, you know, <laughs> number five, you know, number, you know, number and nine. Memorize, and memorize yeah. all And try to figure out who these guys are. I mean, I always wondered how they knew who everybody was. But you know, Lloyd Pettit and then Pat Foley became the uh, longtime announcer for the Blackhawks. And I remember, again, being a season ticket holder to the Blackhawks, I would be at the game going nuts, getting chills, and then I'd wonder, how did Pat Foley how call it? sound? Yeah. And I couldn't wait to get back to my car to listen to the postgame show so I could hear how he broadcasted that and uh, – Stole a couple of things from Pat Foley. And then, you know, we had, uh, you know, Joe McConnell, who did the Bears, and Wayne Larrabee. And, um, you know, we just had a lot of just great broadcasters in the city of Chicago to be able to pick apart, you know, pick little things from each guy. And I know at the end of the day, you have to be yourself, and that's what I've always tried to be. But just to be able to go into that buffet and pick out the best from Harry, the best from Jack, the best from Jim, and Pat, and, you know, and and, and Joe, and, and Wayne. And very, very fortunate to be able to grow up in that area because... They were tremendous broadcasters. They were tremendous play-by-play people. You also got an opportunity, and we see the Notre Dame uh, symbol over there in that framed picture, uh, to call basketball. Did, did UIC basketball did some stuff for Notre Dame, both uh, football and basketball. And, um, you know, again, it's a, one of those things where I wasn't really, you know, I'm a Southside Irish guy about as Southside Irish as you can be, exactly. And, uh, in the Irish Hall of Fame, let's not forget and, that. My Irish-American Baseball Hall of yeah. Fame, and I got the freckles to prove it, but... Uh, you know, it's one of those things where I wasn't really a big Notre Dame fan. Again, growing up, um, my grandparents were retired and living in Pasadena, and I grew up in the early 70s when uh, Lou Alcindor went to UCLA, and then you know John Wooden had all those teams just winning, winning, winning. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of became a UCLA fan, and then the first team to beat them was Notre Dame. So I couldn't stand Digger Phelps, and Notre Dame had didn't like anything about him. <laughs> And then my, my sophomore year in college, a girl that we became very close uh, friends of and still friends today, she lived in Mishawaka, Indiana. And so there was a time where I drove her home and on her way to Mishawaka, she said, hey, would you like to stop on the campus in Notre Dame? And so I'm like, well, might as well check it out. And I know people who aren't Notre Dame fans still probably won't buy it, but you get out of your car and you walk onto that campus and there is an aura about that place. And it just grabbed onto me and uh, you know, became a Notre Dame football fan a little more. And then I was fortunate that Notre Dame was on our station in Chicago and started doing a show with uh, Kevin White, the athletic director, and became close to him. And wow. we'd go up there on the weekends for games and do pregame and postgame for football games and do games with the, you know, stuff with late Dave Duerson and a few other guys there. And then would be invited to, to you know, pep rallies. And there's, you know, Regis Philbin. And then one day walking into Kevin's house for a Friday night pizza party after the uh, pep rally. And Eric Parsegan holds the door for me. Wow. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? So it's just, you know, you know, it's just an incredible run that, you know, some, you know, mediocre kid from Oak Lawn grew up on Knox Avenue, you know, number 312 out of 615 people at uh, Oak Lawn High School on the, uh, on the honors list or what the lack of honors list probably has become <laughs> what he has become. It's just, it's been, a, it's been an incredible run. All right, tomorrow we'll conclude our interview with Dave Wills. The Rays wrap up a series with the Yankees this afternoon, and the NHL awards are tonight. We'll find out which Lightning players and or coach John Cooper 
may walk away with the hardware. And remember, it's scalloping season, so look, if that's on your bucket list, you can do that at Captain Mike Swimming with the Manatees in Crystal River. Scallop season starts July 1st. It runs through September 24th in Citrus County. I'm telling you, you're going to love to do this with your family. They've got pontoon boat rentals up there, and all the safety equipment uh, comes with that. You just need to get a saltwater fishing license. But you can book online now and get ready for some scalloping fun. Do that with swimmingwiththemanatees.com, or you can call 352 571 1888. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 